Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. You can also find us at our website, adoptionthemakingofme.com. And please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Louise. We're back for another review of AM Home Discussion. Mm-hmm. The Mistress's Daughter. And today we started off where she's still unpacking her mother. That's the section, unpacking my mother. And, yeah. you know, it was a little bit sad because she starts when there's no pictures of her when she was the age of where she was a young woman and got pregnant. And so she's having to fantasize about her life. Right. There's no pictures. She doesn't have the story of her father and mother's relationship. She just knows certain little facts like that they worked together. He was much older. He was in an authority position. So she just completely makes up this whole fantasy in her head as we all did. I I thought of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like this. There was a section I put in here. She's looking through the boxes still. And this hit me personally, just because of some things I'm going through with my bio mom and recently looking through boxes of her things. It says, I'd hoped to find her in these boxes to find a description of her childhood, the games she had played, clues to her troubled relationship with her mother and what she really knew about her father, her memories, the trinkets that she kept as (laughs) talismans, thank you, to protect or guide her. I hope to have some idea of how she saw herself, what her hopes and dreams had been. I wanted to know her secrets. Mm-hmm. I felt myself looking through things recently, wanting to get something bigger from it for her to come through and tell me something. So I just, I like how she wrote it. I think all adoptees go through this at one point. Yeah. You know, in it different made ways. Me actually, that what you just read when I was reading it made me think of my son and how maybe that I haven't always revealed who I mm-hmm. deeply am to him, you know, mm-hmm. and you and I recently talked about, you know, if you come in and scrub everything, anything ever happens to me, <laughs> scrub, you know, scrub it all. I thought, but then he still wouldn't know me, like know this part of me. Maybe, maybe we're not supposed to, maybe he's not supposed to, but. That's an interesting thought, actually, just if we reveal, I think as adoptees, I'm guessing if we put that out there to many adoptees, we don't reveal as much either because A, we Mm -hmm. don't know. Some people know more than others, whatever, but you also create kind of a fantasy of who you are. So you're very guarded about that person. That's interesting. Just that Mm -hmm. you got that from that. Yeah. Well, that's just what made me think of it because it's been on my mind a lot. I don't know why. (laughs) What I thought was sad, too, was about Ellen at the Catholic school Mm. and that everything had already gone wrong for Ellen, but no one acknowledged it. She was surrounded by people who didn't want to know and quickly learned that her faith got her nothing. She writes it in such a way that you can picture like this good girl sitting there trying to live up to all these things. And she's already damaged goods or whatever they feel. Mm -hmm. And she's not going to win. She's already behind the race, didn't even know she was in the race. And just right. Yeah, it was a really deep section we read because like how she's imagining her. I love how she wrote it. Like he's doing this. She's doing that. This is what she felt like. I feel like she did get a lot of it correct, whether or not she's making it up or not. Did you? Yeah. I mean, well, she's such a great writer, of course, and she is a fiction writer by trade. So 
to imagine that. But I think, you know, we all have imagined as adoptees, not knowing these story, what it, yeah. what it was. I, I kind of did the same thing with my birth parents because I knew that they'd been together, but then they weren't. And yeah, I wonder how much of it was true, given what she knew about the both of them and, you know, their relationship that they still all those years later had some weird connection. I think I made my birth parents relationship more romantic than it truly might have been. I think it was at one time, but I made it like, oh, they must have really loved it. You know? Yeah. It. It's, it's, you want to be from that. Yeah. Or we were just conditioned to think it should be that. Yeah. Yes. Conditioned from a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe sometime it was just sex and. <laughs> I think a lot of times it is just (laughs) not that out of the ordinary (laughs) because of things we know (laughs) about life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Well, what else did you think? I mean, some of the writing's great. Yeah. Her writing is great. And I'm now we're on to a whole other section, uh, Mm -hmm. a whole other chapter of what's coming next. We're almost at the end. We probably only have a couple more episodes with this book. So. And then we go on to another book by another adoptee, which is exciting. I'm going to miss Alan and Norman, though. I am. And AM and just Mm -hmm. her her voice, dry wit and her voice and her brilliant writing and deep thoughts. And I just, yeah, really. But we have a few more episodes. We're not that close to the end. (laughs) (laughs) All right. this, This one just overall kind of made me a little sad. Yeah. As the whole thing does. Adoption is sad. It's sad since Ellen's died. I feel like it's been pretty mm-hmm. melancholy. And I think about her. I'm like, gosh, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> so we're doing our life. All right. Well, we have a wonderful guest coming. Yep. Everybody will love her. So see you in a couple minutes. See you soon. Hey there. We wanted to give a big thank you to all of our Patreons. We appreciate you so much. Every day we get a message from someone thanking us for giving a platform to adoptees and we'd love for every voice to be heard. If you want to help make that happen so we can come to you weekly, any amount helps. Nothing is too small, truly. We are grateful to each and every one of you. Okay, back to the podcast. Thanks. Hello, welcome back to another episode. Kind of a funny story how our guest came to be, which was she found our podcast, and then she, I think you commented or you reached out to us, but basically to, you know, almost gave up on us because we were so in the fog at the beginning of the podcast. And (laughs) as we went on, she could see us kind of clear up. So since then, she's been a really loyal listener and lots of interaction. So with that, here is Daphne Keys. Welcome, Daphne. Welcome, Daphne. Hi, ladies. Nice to have you. I'm glad to be here. Finally, (laughs) yeah. yeah. A little bit of rescheduling. Yeah. (laughs) So we're basically just going to jump in and say, you know, how are you here? What's your adoption story? And start from there. Well, it depends on what part of the story you want. It's really <laughs> long and twisted. I was, I guess I'll start with before reunion. So I was born in 1962 in Maryland, and I was a place for adoption immediately. And the story goes that I was taken to a foster home. And that the social worker dropped me off and said, told them my name was Daphne. And one of the children in the foster home said, oh, well, I don't like that name. I think I'll call her Debbie. So they started calling me Debbie. 
And I was there until I was almost two. I was considered unadoptable. Why were you considered? Yeah. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Because I, my eyes were crossed. Oh my gosh. So I was, you know, defective merchandise. (laughs) So my foster parents, their oldest daughter had a son, a biological son, and she was having trouble conceiving due to some health issues. So she said, well, I don't want her to sit here. So how about if we just adopt her and take her home? So my foster parents became my grandparents. The person who changed my name became my aunt. <laughs> hmm. So and, and how and you're Daphne now. So you've taken that back. I guess that's later in the story. I huh? did. When my adopted mom finalized the adoption, she said, Well, you know, we've been calling her Debbie for two years now. I guess it would be wrong to change her name. So at the adoption decree, she changed my name legally to Deborah Jean. So I went by that. I had I like it didn't feel right. It was kind of like a tight sweater. I tried Debbie with an IE, Debbie with a Y, DJ. I just, it just, it never felt right. And, you know, they didn't know that Daphne was my given name. Mm. So, you know, I just stuck with Debbie. And then in reunion, when I found out that I was legally named Daphne, I thought, well, that feels a lot better to me. So I reclaimed it legally. But that was just two years ago. So there's a lot of time in between. that. <laughs> I'm just hung up on that. You were unadoptable. I know. I mean, yeah. just, it just makes me that's wanna, like, painful. Throw up. Yeah. Well, Very. it also said I was looking in my baby book and there were some notes from my adoptive mother. They thought that I might be mentally retarded when I was dropped off too. And the, just like, the social worker that dropped you off, you mean? Thought the, that, or? My, my foster care family who became my family because I just, I was like, just, I just laid there. I didn't do anything, but looking at trauma responses now, right. it was probably just fawning, which I still to this day do in stressful situations. I'm a total fawn. I don't fight and I don't flee. I just like lay down and die. <laughs> So I really think wow. that's what it was because pictures of me, you know, a couple months later, I definitely, it wasn't, I met all the milestones and everything, but that was their initial impression. So they also thought how I had little, a how little we knew yeah. what else? I'm sorry. They also thought they, I had a heart murmur. So, mm. you know, there was a lot of health stuff going on that they were uncertain about. So wasn't, but a you didn't have a heart murmur. It showed up every once in a while. On a, you know, a physical, but then down the road, three years ago, I found out I actually had a hole in my heart, (laughs) but I was fine for 57 years, you know, so. So I have a side story here. Sarah doesn't even know, and this is your interview, but I have a heart murmur that has now gone away as an adult, but I had it all the way from my childhood, from birth until mid teens, really strong. And one doctor of mine that I went to that's more holistic here in California said that he thought it was trauma-based. I was just going to say, and I never until recently, I was like, what's he talking about? It's a heart murmur. This guy's loony. And now I'm like, wow, wow, (laughs) that guy's probably on the same. Anyway, that's a whole, yeah, it's different than a hole in the heart, but you know, well, that's They kept picking it up as a heart murmur and you know, but then they wouldn't pick it up at all. And then I had a stroke three years ago and that's when they found the hole. Mm. So, but it's mm. been fixed. 
<laughs> well, going back to, okay, so you're now adopted officially. Yes. And how, what progressed from there? Okay. So as I said, there was a biological older son and then there was me. And then of course, after I was adopted, she got pregnant. So I'm sandwiched between two biological boys. So, and they are like carbon copies of each other. They are literally carbon copies. They're both engineers. They're both extremely, they just have the same traits. They're frugal. They're, I'm not. (laughs) 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 They're just so methodical. They gesture the same. And here I was stuck in the middle. And they're these tall, thin, curly-haired boys, Italian boys. And here I am, this short, kind of chunky, dark-haired, dark, straight-haired girl in the middle. So we were absolutely nothing alike, nothing whatsoever. Did you get close to them at all? Did you have a decent relationship with them? The older one was five years older. Okay. So that's a good span. So, you know, we didn't really hang in the same circle. But the younger one is three years younger, and we were a lot closer. You know, we were together a lot longer. But still, to this day, I mean, they are in communication a lot. But, you know, I hear from them at Christmas or if we have family reunion or something. But really, we have absolutely nothing in common. Nothing. Especially since our moms, well, both our parents are dead. So there's really, you know, nothing yeah, I have nothing. I Holding love it together. my brothers, but yeah, I don't have any. We and I talk to them, and we'll see them, but like nothing in common. We are so completely different. So yeah, that's interesting. And, You're right in the middle too, because yeah. that's usually that's not usually the case, right? It's usually older, or younger. It's like, to, yeah, like a couple same. of adoptees and then a biological. Right, right. You know, is usually the yeah. case. Yeah. How were your adoptive parents? Were you close to them? Did you, were they? My adoptive father did not want to adopt. He just went along with it to basically shut my mother up, I guess. He said it wasn't natural. You don't take other people's kids. Well, he's right. (laughs) As it turns out. (laughs) An interesting side story was when he was about 70, he found out he was adopted. Oh Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, maybe his reaction was some weird thing. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, then they divorced when I was five. So he, you know, he didn't want to adopt, but, you know, he, like, I didn't have anything in common with him either because the boys are so much like him. But, you know, it's not like he was a bad father or anything. I saw him, you know, birthday and Christmas, but basically that's about it. I stayed with my mom and she was, you know, did the best she could. She was kind of, free spirit for the seventies, you know, very holistic and she was sensitive too. And she never kept anything from me. Like I always had access to my non-identifying information. Like the paper is so worn and folded for me, getting it out and looking at it. I knew where it was all the time. And she always said, you know, if you want to look, we will, but there's nothing we could find. So, you know, I used to scan the streets and because mm-hmm. when I was dropped off, they told my foster mother who became my grandmother, don't go showing her in the neighborhood. Oh, and they didn't say anything else. They didn't expound on that at all. So in their mind, there's like, okay, well, her family must be close by. Huh? Turns out they were. <laughs> 
And you were still in Maryland at the, you were in Maryland. Yes. Yeah. And what, what Maryland. were the, what are the adoption laws there? Everything is sealed. Okay. Well, when I was born, everything was sealed. I think beginning 2000 or 2001, once you're 18, you can get your, I don't know if it's, they have to have an intermediary to do the contact search and stuff for them. But being in 1962, I'm in that donut hole where I have no legal rights whatsoever to anything. I can't get it. My biological parents can't get it. No one can get my birth certificate or my records. I've written to Baltimore County Social Services. I have petitioned them. I have stacks sitting here on my desk of just, I get back, you know, stacks of, this is the law and this is why we can't give it to you. So Mm. about six months ago, I found out that if a Maryland adoptee knows what is on their original birth certificate, they can apply for a photocopy. <laughs> and you have to send in writing, you know, this is who I am now. This is who I was born. These are my biological parents. Mm-hmm. I had a good These life. are my adoptive parents. Yeah, I had to, my adoption decree number, I just photocopied everything I had. And I know who my biological parents are now and sent that all to them, but, but I still haven't gotten it back. Well, and how crazy, right? I mean, I was telling Sarah, that's the same in Colorado, having to know, I happen to know things too, but if you don't, I mean, that's right. You may go your whole life and not. So you go through your mom says, yes, we can get it for you. And I'll help you try to find her. And so what happens? Well, we really had no, this is, you know, I graduated from high school in 1980. So that was pre-internet. I left home like the day after I graduated, I just... It was not a good situation. There was a stepfather involved. Mm. So, you know, from age 10 to 18, things were kind of crappy. So I left home and then my adoptive mother had to have open heart surgery. I wasn't actually, I moved to California. That's like how far away I I got. (laughs) And so then she had to have open heart surgery. So I came back home just like a year later and I was living with my grandmother and I was going to school And I just, I wanted my answers. So I was going through phone books and my, my grandmother, foster mother, grandmother always swore that I was the product of one of her cousins, but I mean, I wasn't, but she's like, oh, you're from this family. So I'm going through the phone book. And like, she just thought you were, Yeah, she just, because I was, she felt I was similar to her and that I I must be related. (laughs) So She's like, well, try calling this person. And I, so I would call people and get nothing. And then I went to the high schools in the area and went through yearbooks, just looking for people who match some of the information on my non-ID. And like it said that my father was planning to go to dental school, that my mother was in a secretarial course. So I was looking basically, well, back up a little bit. I wanted to find my father. I really didn't have a whole lot of interest in finding my mother, but my father's situation, my whole life had been kind of crappy. And that's what I wanted. That's what I needed was that I wanted my daddy. (laughs) If I'm going to be honest, I wanted my daddy. And so that's what I was looking for. And I figured that would be easier to search for anyway, because they don't change their names. So I was going through yearbooks in the local high school, looking for guys who were planning to go to dental school. And I found a few and I found their phone numbers through, you know, the big old phone book in Baltimore was like that fat. And I cold called probably 20 or 30 people and gave them my story. And they're like, well, I wish you luck, but no, it's not me. 
That's pretty bold. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're good. It's a needle desperate on the haystack. measures, but... <laughs> right? It is. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And yeah. my non-ID information is so non-identifying. Like there is nothing, nothing about the number of siblings they had. Same. That would have been a huge help. My non-identifying didn't even say that my birth mother was adopted herself. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, they just, they, you know, they throw you some crumbs and who knows? I mean, I met so many people who their non-ID was a, a total fabrication. Yeah. So we've had that too. But you know, going on what I had, that's what I tried. And the funny thing is I ended up in the dental field. I don't know if I <laughs> did it because that's what I wanted, but I went to dental assisting school and I was a dental assistant for 30 years. Wow. But you know, and I'd, I'd go work for dentists. I'm like, oh, well, maybe you're my dad. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's got to be sort of an interest that must have sparked in you for sure. I think, I would think. it probably did, yeah. but yeah. I did it for a long time. I loved it. I was good at it, but it didn't lead anywhere. And then Baltimore came out with a mutual registry. It was like 300 or $500 or something. And you send your information in and they put your name on the list. And if, if your parents contact them, they will make the connection. So we did that. Never. That's expensive. It is. Yeah. I was that's say, that's not a small 80s. fee. Yeah. yeah. Back in the eighties when I was, you know, a young family. That's with like kids. a couple thousand dollars back then. It was a lot of money. Yeah. But you know, we did it. Didn't get anywhere. So they have to write in too. Is the yes. and Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and one of my adoptive aunts worked for Baltimore County social services. And I'm like, can't you just sneak in <laughs> to the file room and just pull my file? <laughs> but no. <sighs> so I, I was kind of at a standstill. You know, I didn't know what to do. And then in 2015, my dad, my adoptive dad died in 2007. And that was just shortly after he found out he was adopted. How um, did he find out he was adopted? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Oh, wow. He had always said that he had a dream that he was in a car outside of a courthouse and then mommy and daddy came out of the courthouse. Well, it wasn't a dream. It happened. He was it left was in the memory. car. He was they left went in, in the, the courthouse to get married and came back out. And he was adopted by that man. And my brothers know, I don't know exactly how he found out, but he found out. And now on Ancestry, I can see all the records, like all I can find my, my, adoptive grandmother's marriage records on ancestry that show and my father's adoption records they're all out there now it's just really really wild so she had come over from sicily and had him shortly after she got here and then ended up marrying someone else and but he was never to know yeah Mm -hmm. secrets so were you close to your adopted father Even though they were divorced now. Not at all. It was really your mom was your tie. and Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, like I said, our dad, we saw, my brother probably saw him a little more often. Like he coached little league and stuff for them. But I saw Mm -hmm. him Christmas, birthday, Easter, maybe Thanksgiving. So holidays is really the only time. We lived, you know, just a couple miles apart, but I didn't like go weekends or anything at his house. Nothing like that. So he died in 2007. 2007. And then my 
mom, who had always been not real healthy, she's the one that needed the open heart surgery and everything. She got really sick in 2015. And she said, for your birthday, I want to give you an Ancestry DNA kit. So my birthday's in March. She got me the kit. I spit in it, set it in right away. But before I got it back, she died. Mm. Like the day after she died, I got my results. Wow. So she didn't get to know anything. So what a gift she gave you that to it was kind a of gift. give and you she, a she was always really into her genealogy. Like I would go with her to graveyards and make tracings of tombstones and stuff for her records. But that's back when you did it all by hand. She had huge books, you know. But when we were doing that, it's like, but this isn't my family. I mean, it's my family, but it's not my family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, she gave me that and there weren't any close matches though. Nothing. I, That's what I was going to say. What was on that ancestry? Not a whole lot. I think my closest was a third cousin. And that's so, not bad. Yeah. And I knew absolutely nothing about DNA, <laughs> about searching, about search angels, about Facebook groups, about adoptee support groups. I knew nothing. So we just learned about search angels. I didn't know that till yeah. three weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah. I just sat and I waited and I waited there and I would message people through ancestry and say the taboo of don't tell them you're adopted. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would t- hi, I'm adopted and I'm looking for my family. Can you help me? No, can't help you. By the way, I didn't know that either. And I've done that twice. So. Yeah. yeah, I did it. All <laughs> and Sarah's like, you hear back. I'm like, I think I went about this the wrong way. Yeah. 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 They say never, ever say that. Well, I didn't I did. know that. So there was this one guy and he was like a really, really low third cousin. And I wrote to him and he answered me back. He had a huge tree and he was like just so supportive and he wanted to find the answer to this too. You know, he stayed with me for three years until we figured this out. And I told him my story about the, you know, I was dropped off and they said, don't go showing her around the neighborhood. And he was like, well, what neighborhood was that? And I told him, he said, well, I had a cousin who lived on that road. And I'm like, no way. He's like, yeah, but I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. And he gave me his name and I found his address and I wrote this like four page letter on legal paper. And I put an envelope and I never mailed it. And then I don't know why I never mailed it, but I never did. But thank God I didn't because he wasn't my father anyway. (laughs) 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 But, you know, we just kept in touch every time a new thing would pop up. We'd try and see if we could figure it out. And then in 2018, I got a close family match. Took that long. How many years was that? Three years. Three years. It was like three years to the almost to the day. That's that a long time. So <laughs> I was in my car and I pulled up because I travel a lot for work. So I think I was sitting in a parking lot having lunch or something. And I pulled up my Ancestry DNA app and I looked at it. And I was like, holy shit, I have a close, oops, sorry, <laughs> I have a <Okay>. close family <laughs> match. So I fired off this message to that person. I'm like, I'm just wondering, I forget what I said. I'm like, I'm just, I think I learned by then, don't tell them you're adopted. But <laughs> I think I had said, you know, I was born in 1962 in Baltimore, and I was just wondering if we can figure out how we're related. And she writes back. That's the key. Like, you don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And she writes back. She goes, I know exactly who you are. 
And I was like, wow. But then she said, but I can't tell you right now. I'm like, great, leave me hanging. Because her husband just died. They were selling like two houses to move into a farm. And she had to talk to my mother. She did tell me she was my aunt. She said, I have to talk to your mother. There's lots of people I need to make aware of this. And I'll get back to you. And I'm like, okay, how long? (laughs) (laughs) This was April. And she's like, oh, probably by June because we're settling in May. And I'm like, okay, well, I think July rolls around. I hadn't heard from her. I'm like, hello? And they don't realize what it's going through for you. I'm like, you know, I've already waited 56 years. And I'm like, I'm going to die. And then, so finally I wrote to her. I'm like, can you talk to me yet? And she's like, yeah. And she said, this is your mother and this is your father. And I told your mother on Mother's Day and, but she needs time to process. And I told her, don't wait too long. Cause if she waits too long, I'm not waiting. <laughs> so that was my mom's sister. And she knew. So obviously she knew your mom was pregnant when she was young and she actually drove my mom to the hospital. So she was part of it this whole time. Yes. So my mom was almost 18. My aunt was almost 16. And she hopped in the car when my mother went into labor and drove her down into Baltimore City and stayed with her. Apparently, my father showed up at some time and was there too. And when I was born, she was there. Yeah. And your biological father was there when you were there. Mm -hmm. And were they dating? Like, how, what did you find out about all this? What I found out was that while my mom was pregnant, she was kind of hidden away. First, they had sent her to live with a friend of my father, and that didn't go well. My mother said it was kind of like deliverance, but (laughs) she went back home and to her parents' house and stayed there, but she was basically confined to the house. So she didn't really see him a lot during the pregnancy. Did they decide while she was pregnant that she would give you up for adoption? I don't know exactly who made the final decision. It's kind of a little fuzzy. My mom says that my father's parents did not know and that they wanted to keep it that way. But her parents said, you may not bring that child home. And so that was how the plan was made. But there is a cousin of my mother's who says, oh, his parents knew because his mom used to buy your mother all these fancy maternity clothes. And I'm thinking maybe she's thinking of a second pregnancy, you know, my, my brother's pregnancy, because my mom said, and my, my aunt said that she spent all the time, you know, in her house. So I don't really know. And your aunt's also a, a child perspective at that point. Right. too. Yeah. So it's all these memories of people, you know, you're putting together a puzzle here. Right. And no one really has a clear memory. And oh, my mother has locked it up so tight that it's, you know, kind of hard to unlock that box. But apparently, yeah, they were both there. In my paperwork, I never know if she held me. I was told, no, she probably didn't. And my paperwork said that they planned on getting married, but they probably wouldn't because no one ever does after they give up a child. But she did hold me. They did end up getting married. Oh, they did get married. They did because she got pregnant again. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, I have a right, right away. He's 19 months younger than me. Okay. Before wow. I was adopted, she was pregnant again and they were married. Yeah. And they got married. So, and they kept that baby. Yes. And you were, that's just, that's crazy. 
Finding out I had a younger brother, just mm -hmm. 19 months younger. Yes. That was like a real problem to get over. It's like, what happened? And literally, I was 11 months old the day they got married. What happened in 11 months that changed your life so drastically that you could get married? Was she able to tell you that later? Like, She just said that she was not quite 18 and... She had no support from her family. They said, no, you can't bring the child home. I think that had things that I found in my research, I think that had they told my father's parents, I think things would have been different because my research has found that my father's father was adopted by his stepfather. So in 1920, my paternal grandfather was born to an unwed mother who kept him. And then two years later, she married a guy who adopted him. I don't know if he ever knew he was adopted. I don't know if my biological father knows that his father was adopted. No, I don't know. But I I just have this feeling that had my paternal great-grandparents known, and they were alive at that time, Edna and Ambler, had they known that, that they would have been receptive to keeping me in the family because that's what they did. You know, the guy who had been helping me since 2015, he said, Oh yeah. Cause he ended up being my father's cousin. Oh, he um, was your father's cousin. Yeah. So he ends up being a half cousin because of my grandfather was only half mm-hmm. related. To him. <laughs> but yeah, he said they definitely, you know, you know, no one knows for sure, but he said, you know, I, I don't see that you would have been placed for adoption. It, it wasn't in their way to do right. that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's sad. That's just really sad. So twisted. It ends up that my paternal grandparents lived less than a mile from my adoptive grandparents. Like where I was dropped off for foster care was less than a mile from my. Hence why they said, don't walk around the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. Don't show off around the neighborhood. Little neighborhood called Stonely in Towson, Maryland. And Towson. Yeah. And they lived in the same in Stonely. And I went literally went to elementary school two blocks from their home. Mm. It's just, it's just the sliding doors thing of it just always blows my mind. Yeah. Every story, but you know, hearing it from you, it's like, gosh, it's just makes me so reflective about it. Where do you stand with it all now? Yeah. So, right. So you were saying like you find your aunt in 2015 and then she tells your mom and then you have reunion with your mom. Well, okay. So she told my mom in 2018 on mother's day. And I didn't hear anything from her. And so it got to be like August. And my aunt was like, you know what? She's had enough time to deal with this. I'm not waiting any longer. Now, had I known the family dynamics, I might not have pursued that. (laughs) So she said, do you want to come down? She lives in Maryland. And so I drove down and I met her at, at her house. And it was just the weirdest thing because... I knew her voice. You did. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they spent so much time together when my mother was pregnant, but like an electric shock went through me when I opened the door and she said, I've been waiting to meet you my entire adult life. It was just, it's just a voice you knew. Yeah. It was just surreal, very surreal. And so 
lit, um, my husband was a godsend because I went down, it's about two and a half hours from our home. And I went down every weekend to spend time with them for months just to hear stories and get to know them. And, you know, he just let me do what I needed to do. When you say them, this is just your biological aunt and your uncle. That she- well, it's my biological aunt and her daughter and granddaughter. They okay. all live together on this farm with their three little houses in a row oh. that they run together. <laughs> but you're not but, getting to know your biological mom in this time. Not yet. Mm-hmm. No. So it was just uh, the emotional overload was just, I can't even put really words to it. And I remember I was driving for work and just like, I could not stop crying. I could not. And I was in like Allentown, Pennsylvania of all places. It's like the middle of nowhere. I texted her and I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this. She said, well, why don't you write a letter to your mom? I'm like, well, and were your parents still married at this point? No, okay. they had divorced mm, a couple years after they were only married a couple years. Okay. I don't know exactly the time frame, but they had two boys and then they were divorced. So, so you have two full siblings. Yes. So I'm like, well, what am I going to say in this letter? And she said, well, why don't you tell her what it would mean to you to meet her? So I went to my hotel room and I wrote a letter and I sent it to my aunt and I said, can you deliver this for me? And she delivered it to her and it took her, this was August. I think it was the end of September when she texted me. And then she said, this is your, your mother. Can we meet soon? And I was like, I like screamed in my hotel room. (laughs) And so I think we met, that was end of September. We met October 9th for lunch. And we spent just four hours just talking. And I kept wanting to touch her. It's like, I wanted to make sure she was real. How did she act, you know, towards you during that? She was wonderful. She was very welcoming. And, you know, the hug was just like unbelievable. You know, I still try and remember that feeling of like wholeness of being where you're supposed to be. We like, they were serving dinner by the time we left the restaurant. God bless the waiter. Cause you know, they keep coming back and say, can we help you? Nope. Just talking. <laughs> and it was great. And I would, she lives in Virginia. And since I travel, I would stay at her house and, you know, I went for Christmases and, you know, I didn't go for Thanksgiving because we do Thanksgiving at my house, but you know, Christmas and summer. So it's been a happy reunion. Well, Ah, (laughs) this happens. (laughs) It is so hard. I think it's more humane to do what my father did and just totally deny me than to accept me and then reject me. It's just, Mm. it's just so painful. So about, once a year or so over the last three years, she would just disappear. No contact whatsoever. Last year we were on vacation together and she just disappeared. By disappear, you just mean she just doesn't doesn't respond to anything. And have, has she told you why or does she say no, anything she just, about it? She just show up and she'll just like text me and then you know, I'm a big sucker and I like say Fall okay. Back again. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've reached the point where I can't do that anymore. What about your brothers? She doesn't do that to them? No, no, no. And are you 
close to them? Do you have a relationship with them? I have a relationship with them. You know, we're strangers trying to get to know each other and we live in different states and they don't understand, you know, and they say, well, you know, we don't hear from mom for weeks at a time. And like, yeah, but it doesn't go six months, (laughs) you know, and if you call, she would answer the phone. So no, she doesn't call. She doesn't answer my calls. She doesn't answer my texts. So yeah, they don't get it. They're trying to balance like who their mom is and getting to know you. And yeah, I can see that's. I talked to one today and, and he's like, because on Mother's Day, I sent a, I did send her a Mother's Day card and a small gift. And so I had texted my one brother. I said, if you see mom, just tell her I said, happy Mother's Day. And I got back. I did. And I talked to the other one today and he's like, you know, you can call her. I said, no, I can't because she doesn't answer my phone calls. Well, yes, she will. No, she won't. She won't answer. I said, I've reached the point where I just can't keep doing this. My mental health, I just can't keep doing this. I said, so, you know, just do you still want to maintain a relationship if she doesn't? He's like, well, yeah, you're my sister. Uh So, you know, who knows where it'll go, but. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry too. I wish she would at least, clearly she can't deal or talk about it. So, but maybe hopefully she will at some point. But I don't know that I can do it anymore. You know, it's been like four times, I think four or five times that she's just, and once was at Christmas. Oh my God. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's very painful, wants- the expectation. And then just, yeah. Oh. It's just, and to let you in at the beginning. And then to just show back up and be like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong, you know, and come on down. And, you know, she had like a bedroom for me and my husband, you know, it, he spent time down there as well. So it's just so weird and hurtful. Yeah, just the not knowing yeah. too is very and so the boys talk to your father? No, no. <laughs> they so hate he him. just they he just kind of <laughs> checked out from everybody. You know, I don't know the story because they just literally hate him, say that he left them to starve. Mm. I don't know the story, what went on between the, you know, my mother and my father. I don't know. There's always, you know, three sides to every story, you know, the his side, her side, and the truth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and not having had the chance to meet him, I don't know. Now, I did find a paternal half-sister. We share the same father, and he kind of wrote her off as well. So, you know, I tend to think that he's not capable. He has one child that he raised. Actually lives out there in California, went to Pepperdine. Ah, (laughs) jeez. I'll have to exchange names later. (laughs) (laughs) He raised a child later Mm -hmm. than your mom's relationship. Yes. This half brother is younger than my oldest child. Mm. Oh, yeah. So he's 34. My oldest is 38. Yeah. So um, he did raise him. And I called him once. I I wrote him a letter as well. He didn't answer. He's never answered. I called him one day and I said, this is Daphne. He goes, I know who you are and I'm sorry, but I can't talk to you. And that was that. And that was it. And he just kept saying, I'm I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. So I, I think there's a wife involved that he, she's a lot younger than him. He has a lot of money. I think 
that maybe she just has a doesn't want anything to interfere with his money. Well, so. she may he, she may not even know he has other children. Thank you, she does because oh. I sent a letter there once, <laughs> and my sister had sent something there before too. So I think that she knows, but I think that she won't allow it. Now he's seventy eight years old. It's like you know, put your big boy pants on. These are yeah, your children. Exactly. <laughs> You know, so it's several children, you know, there's a lots of children hurting here. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think that he'll say that it's not his choice, but ultimately, you know, you're an adult. It is your choice. Mm -hmm. So well, you weren't kidding that there were lots of twists. (laughs) There were twists. (laughs) But I feel like we haven't linear thing. (laughs) I feel like we haven't heard the end of it. So We'll have to like reconnect with you as time goes on to see what the end of the story is or the evolving of the story. It's so jumbled and there's nothing linear whatsoever in my story. And that's only where do I start? Yeah. I have have one question for you. Does your biological aunt, do you still keep up with her, your mom? Yes. Yes. And what does she say about that? Your biological mom, or does she not conjecture? She tries not to get in the middle, which... That's probably good with the family dynamics. And I say the family dynamics because it's strained. You know, yeah. Their relationship can be strained. I mean, they love each other. They're siblings, but it, it can be strained. Um, so she's just trying to keep the peace in her journey too. Yeah. Like I just got back from vacation with her daughter and granddaughter. So my cousin, cousin. and first cousin. Yeah. We went on vacation to Kentucky last week. When I travel for work, I stop by and spend the night. Um, yeah, we're probably down there at least once a month. So yeah, I'm glad she, you have that. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, that's, that's the happy note of this. It is like they had a, along with my husband, they planned a 60th surprise birthday party for me down there. And they're just, you know, my husband's family came and his stepmom <laughs> found out she was adopted at age 60. <laughs> Sheesh. That's wow. You have a lot of these in there. It's it's insane. And so she came and she said, just, she said, you know, I understand things are hard with your mom, but just hold on to what you have. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for those biological people that are in my life that want me. Yeah. Yeah, Of course. They, I mean, they, I think they're loving having you in their life. Right. And it's, I don't know something's with your mom. She can't, that's something she needs to have help with or, you know, we hear this often. Oh, I know. I I definitely know. I'm not the only person that, you know, it can come and go. And, you know, sometimes she was very open and sometimes she was like, I don't remember. She still has the prom dress that she wore to prom with my father. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Like, so she showed me that, you know, and when we were alone together, she would talk about the good times with him and different things that they did. And so, you know, a lot I know of pain, now that, it sounds yeah, like. I was going to say there's it's, a lot yeah, of bottled pain, up pain there. Pain. Yeah. But, hey, they loved each other when I was created, probably in the backseat of a car for all I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all might be from that. Situation. I think I was like on Rockaway Beach, maybe. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll. Uh, maybe a blanket. Think, yeah. <laughs> blanket. <laughs> well, Daphne, thank you so much. And will you please keep us posted on on what happens 
Oh yeah. Going forward and yeah. Sorry. It's a jumble. No, no, no. Don't. Oh my gosh. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The place. So thank you ladies. Thank you. And we'll, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for being Thanks for part sticking of with us on the journey. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for staying. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to you later. Okay. okay bye-bye. Bye. Well, I'm, I'm just glad we finally got to know Daphne and her story after our interesting start with her. And I she, know. I know that she stuck with us. And no, I know. I know. It was so touching. That It was. It was so touching and melancholy. And yeah. You know, that just shows like people, you know, someone posted recently, oh, you see the, uh, you know, we watch all these stories or you watch a TV show or a movie and people run to each other and there's the reunion. You think, oh, that's wonderful. And then the families all know each other, but that's usually just the tip of the iceberg. Well, exactly. Cause that's where the story ends on a yes. movie or TV show, but it's, in real life, it's where the story begins. It's where the story begins. Yeah. And it's a lot yeah. of pain we're realizing because people without therapy, without talking about mm-hmm. being shamed, being shamed and hiding from what's happened. And then reunion just isn't always, it's exciting. And then it's, you retreat. Because then there's, you know, real life gets, gets in the way and real feelings yeah. and it's complicated. It is. Crazy. And that whole part that she wasn't adoptable. Oh, like, I know. That just, oh, it's just really. It's awful. It's awful. It, yeah. And we see her now, you know, she's such a neat person and we know her so well. And it's like, it's just gross. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Sarah, <laughs> another great episode. Another great episode. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.